0: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of series 2 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Welcome to the podcast, if this is the first time you've listened to it. If you do want to catch up on some of our previous episodes, you can catch up on them on your platform that you're listening to this podcast on now, or you can go to our website, which is engagingic.com, and there you will find on our uh, back catalogue all of our episodes that we've recorded over the last year. Now, just coming up in the next episode, which is episode 24 of this season, which is on the 31st of August, I have an interview with Lisa Gwinnell from Siemens. And Lisa is going to be telling us all about how internal communications has earned and needs to maintain its place at the table, i.e. that it's now a business partner for many organisations following the challenges of 2021 and 2020, but also going forward that uh, internal communications has really proved its worth. And Lisa is going to be telling us all about the work that she's been doing in her organisation and also professionally as well with the Institute of Internal Communications uh, to, to help that very thing. Um, and then, following that, on the episode after that, on the fourteenth of September, we have an interview with Niall Ryan from the Department of Health and Social Care. And Niall is going to be telling us all about how you can maintain organisational purpose with a remote workforce. Which, again, is a topic that is something that everybody is kind of thinking about at the moment. How do we keep people connected when we have people working either remotely or hybridly, and or maybe a mix of people working in an office or in a central location? And working remotely as well. So that's coming up on the 14th of September. Now, between um, now and then, uh, we also have one of our webinars coming up on the 9th of September, uh, 2021 that is. At three o'clock in the afternoon, we have a free webinar, which is designed for anyone who who is involved or has colleagues who may be involved in driving a health and safety agenda within your organisation. So, communicating important health and safety messages, or looking to maybe reinvigorate your training around health and safety. Part of the work that we do is helping organizations with that um, through our own communication approach. So we're doing it, running a webinar on some of the ways that you can transform the way that you engage your people around this topic, which is traditionally quite a dry topic. So uh, I think you'll find that interesting. That's the 9th of September. And as I say, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. It's totally free. You can find out more about that at our website. So if you go to the bigpicturepeople.co.uk and on our menu at the top of the screen, you'll see events. And the first event that is uh, listed there is that event. It's called Transforming Health and Safety Communication and Training. You can find out some more information and you can book via the link on that Page. So, finally, before we go into today's uh, guest interview, uh, just to remind you that if you are enjoying the show and you find it useful, and you think there are some colleagues or associates of yourself who might find the show useful, please let them know. Please send them a link. Uh, it always helps us to to boost our listenership, and with a, an increased listenership, we can attract more and more guests uh, and and uh, and get some great interviews from them to share with you and help you to to learn. So. Uh, uh, if that's uh, if you know anyone who's interested and might be interested in the show, please share the link with them. Anyway, on to today's guest. During the pandemic of 2020 and 2021, many internal communicators have had to find ways of keeping in touch with very diverse audiences and audiences that have become even more diverse with people working from home, people continue to work from from their facilities where homeworking isn't possible and this diversification has caused some real complexity um, and particularly in larger organisations where there is a, a, a significant proportion of people who working in different types of environments and people who've had to shift to home working, this has become an increasingly challenging situation. So I wanted to speak to someone who was working in an organisation that was very diverse, very large, over 25,000 employees spread across many different countries to To explore not only the pandemic-related communications challenges that that brings, but also what are some of the things that that particularly related to the pandemic, uh, some of the challenges that's raised from a communications perspective, from an internal communications perspective. And I was also interested to look at how that will change as we maybe will move back to a more hybrid way of working in the future, Um, but also some of the fundamentals about how we continue uh, and how we can better engage people who are not necessarily having access to the technology that we take for granted for our office-based staff, such as people who aren't on emails, they don't have access to technology, that sort of thing. So how can we keep them engaged and informed? And I also wanted to just have a think about what are some of the skills that we need to be looking to develop as internal communicators as we come out of the pandemic and work into uh, move into a working world, which is where more hybrid and more uh, diverse ways of working are going to be more prevalent. So that's what today's interview is all about. So my interviewee today is Neil Jenkins. Neil is an award-winning internal communications director and leader with over 20 years of experience across FMCG, technology, manufacturing, and engineering. Neil's worked in organizations such as Siemens, Vodafone, Coca-Cola, BT, and more latterly, Iron Mountain. Neil is passionate about using the power of communications to get the best out of people, to connect them with their organizations, and to build a reputation and trust from the inside out. Hello. Neil, how are you?
1: Hi, Craig. Nice to talk to you. Nice to be here.
0: Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, so, just for the listeners, Neil, where where are you? Where are you in the world at the moment?
1: So, I am based in the UK. Um, I live in South Bucks, uh, a few miles to the west of London, and uh, would normally be in the office um, a few times a week in central London. We we are based not far from Tower Bridge.
0: Okay. Yeah. And of course, we're recording this. Hopefully at the tail end of the pandemic. So, uh, so yeah, so hence why you're probably spending a lot more time at home at the moment. Uh, uh, but uh, are you planning to be back into the office at some point? we am going to talk about that in the interview from a kind of organizational perspective. But is the, is the plan to kind of move to a more hybrid way of working? Yeah.
1: Yes. So I have missed it. I have to say I um, have um, always been uh, home based in this role, but always used to spend a couple of days at least in our office and it is going to be good to get back i'm expecting to do that probably towards the tail end of the summer yeah um, and just the ability to kind of see people again reconnect yeah. um, talk face to face understand a bit more about what's going on how people have felt uh, during the last 18 months or so i, I can't wait
0: yeah yeah, that would be nice. So, any anyway, uh, Neil, I mentioned you're currently at, at Iron Mountain, and uh, I, 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 it was, I, I, hands up, it was an organisation I, I wasn't familiar with before for uh, coming across you, and and obviously talking to you about the prior to the interview. But uh, I, it's an amazing story. I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd love for the listeners' point of view. If you can just tell us a little bit more about the business.
1: Yes, yeah, so we are an information management company. Um, we are seventy years old, celebrating our seventieth anniversary this year, um, and we actually began life as Iron Mountain Atomic Storage, uh, which gives you a sense of the uh, the way the world was feeling at the time. Um, we were founded really at the uh, at the height of the Cold War, when um, organisations were really getting quite worried about, you know, how to protect and and store, you know, really precious things, uh, records, other artifacts that that sort of matter to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And our founder, who was uh, a mushroom farmer, he'd invested in an old iron ore mountain just outside New York City and spotted an opportunity um, and essentially started um, storing, you know, records, other, other precious things for, our first customers um, back in, in in the 1950s uh, we had our first sales office in the empire state building um, so iron mountain literally was an iron mountain um, mm. and we've grown since then um, you know we are now present in about 55 countries uh, we have around customers. we customers we're a four billion dollar company in terms of revenue um, and we serve about 95% of the Fortune 1000. So, um, mm. so yeah, growth has, has sort of been pretty rapid over the last 70 years. Um, we yeah. now have about 25,000 employees. Yeah. Um, and, and increasingly, you know, we don't just store things for people. We, we're digitizing their records. Yeah. We're yeah. using some nice and neat solutions to really help them get more out of the information that, that we store for them. Yeah. Uh, You know, whether that's to improve their own operations or or the experience of their own customers. So it's it's a really, really interesting business. And we also have some really, really uh, neat and smart uh, divisions. We have an entertainment services uh, division, for example, which stores original music recordings. Uh, We have a fine art division that, that stores precious paintings. Um, So there's some really, really interesting things that we do as a business. And, Mm. And, you know, some of the ways we store things and the ways that we serve our customers is actually really interesting.
0: Fantastic. Well, re- yeah, yeah. And I love, I love, I love a story. I love an organization that can t- tell a really kind of coherent story, you know, and that links to its name and everything. And it's just, I think it's wonderful how you're, you're, uh, you, you know, that kind of whole and how that's obviously you, you've kind of leveraged that into, into, uh, you know, protecting information, data, precious things in all, all forms, not just in physical form. So fantastic. So, um, so y- your role is is obviously, as I said at the beginning, is 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 internal comms and di- and and you're uh, you're the uh, internal comms director of internal comms at, at Iron Mountain. You've got twenty five thousand people. Just just let's just talk a little bit about some of the some of the challenges that 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 that, that brings. Obviously, fantastic. I'm sure it's a fantastic organisation to work in. But you you, you mentioned them when we spoke spoken originally about the fact that obviously you know, the, the kind of Iron Mountain in the US, the kind of Empire, Empire State Building with the uh, where the head office was. I guess it's easy to be sort of uh, see yourself sometimes or, or to have the challenge of being US-centric when you've got a global workforce. So what are some of the challenges you face and, and what are some of the issues you face when in terms of having a, a much more kind of um, diverse workforce now than maybe when the organization set out 70 years ago?
1: Yeah, so so we are very diverse. Uh, I think in terms of the uh, the presence we have across the globe, uh, we are truly global. Um, but we still have a very large uh, presence in the US, our home market. Our uh, mm. headquarters these days is in Boston, uh, but we have people really all over the US and in Canada. Um, but but. Probably over half of our workforce is now outside of North America. Mm. Um, we also have people in very, very different roles. Um, a large proportion of our employees are in frontline operational roles. They're the mm. people who drive uh, trucks to, to take uh, records from our customers' uh, locations to our storage facilities and, and, and back. Uh, we have people who are taking care of those um, storage facilities as well. Uh, and we also have a, a large uh, commercial team, and you know people working in, in support functions too. So it's, it's a really, really diverse mix. And when you add to that, you know, cultural diversity, uh, all sorts of different backgrounds and experiences that our people have, the, what, the way we communicate to people, you know, ne- needs to cut through in, in a very consistent way. Mm. Um, and one of the things that, that we recognised and, and found was that. A way to do that was to really make sure we have a a very consistent tone of voice so that wherever you work in the world, Mm. um, whatever role you have, you are hearing from the company and and hearing people communicate to you in in a pretty consistent way that that really cuts through, you know, where you are, what you do um, and your background. So Mm. we developed um, some tone of voice guidelines, which we we are now embedding within the business that Mm. really focus on three key things. Number one, you know, we are really people talking to people. So we should always remember that we we don't want our language to be too corporate or too stuffy, mm. or too full of jargon. We want to be human. Um, we want to tell it how it is. We want to be straightforward in what we're saying, um, which sometimes means not making things too long. But it also means getting to the point and being transparent. Mm. Um, and we also want some personality. You know, people are from different backgrounds, different parts of the world it's important that, you know, they own the communication or, or what the message is, but mm. they put their own stamp on it. And, you know, that's that's important too. So those are the kind of guiding principles which I think mm. are helping us, you know, really, really make make our messages, make our communications just that little bit more human, a little bit more personal mm. um, and, you know, gets people a little closer to, uh, you know, to where they're hearing it.
0: I like that. And, and do those, because the, they, they're where you can almost position those as values uh, you know kind of communication values do they are they kind of correlating with the you know the underlying values of the company that down to earthness the sort of say it the way it is use plain language without dressing it up is that kind of linked in with the kind of culture of the organization as well
1: yes it is so so Mm. we we have um you know some core values where there is a connection particularly Mm. around taking ownership particularly around inclusion and teamwork though those are two of our values Mm. Um, But we also talk a lot about integrity, Um, Mm. you know, so again, making sure that a message is transparent is important. Mm. We talk about adding value to our customers. So, you know, when we're communicating internally, uh, we need to remember our audience uh, and that they need to get something out of what we're saying to them or what we want them to do. Um, And our our sort of probably our prime uh, core value is safety and security. Now, Mm. you know, you may not see an obvious connection through tone of voice, but again, if, if it's not easy to understand if it's not um you know straightforward to read there's there's room for misinterpretation and, mm. and you don't often know what the consequence of that might be yeah. so, so yes i think increasingly in our communications we're looking to connect as much as we can to our values mm. because they're important to us as a business our people respect them uh, and more and more our people are living them and that's what mm. we want to amplify a lot of the time mm.
0: Mm. Excellent. And um, you mentioned there, and you mentioned you were just talking there about the business that you do have. Um, you, you've got a kind of mix of of many organisations, and I guess it's no surprise with some of an organisation like yours that has physical facilities. You've got a mix of people who are what we might call frontline, you know, kind of operational, and we've got office and administrative uh, people as well. And obviously, I think during the, you know, during the pandemic, that that's been a challenge for organisations who've got that you know, people who've had to carry on staying at the office or staying at the front line and and, and the facility, because that's, that's kind of where their work is. Whereas obviously people like ourselves have have been able to, to work from home. How have you been able to manage that, that the challenges that I think that some internal communicators I've been speaking to that's presented for them, where there's a potential kind of two tier different, uh, you know, and, and also I think that a danger of, of, of each group thinking that they've, got it slightly more difficult than the other you know we've had to stay in the office or you know we've had to kind of work from home with kids and dogs and all this sort of thing how how you manage that in such a diverse large organization
1: so i think it comes back to to one of the values i mentioned you know which is Mm. about safety and security that that you know throughout this pandemic has been top of mind for all of us and you know top of the list of the things we have communicated to people And, Mm. and that really you know has been the same whether you have you know stayed in your workplace because you're in an operational role serving customers at the time where they've needed us the most yeah. or whether you've had to move you know pretty quickly to a virtual way of working that you may not have been used to um so we've we've spent a lot of time making sure people understand you know what guidelines to follow um, mm. wherever they work and whatever they do um understand how to stay safe in doing that um and also, you know, how to stay connected um, and, and how to, you know, continue working as, as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and serving customers, whether they're internal or external. So, you know, a lot of the things that we've, uh, I think, tried to do is, you know, make sure that communications are as frequent, if not more frequent, than they were before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, we have you know leaders who travel frequently around the world, visiting customers, visiting our employees. Um, you know, mm-hmm. with them not being able to do that, it was a case of ramping up their virtual visibility, yeah. doing a lot more online, uh, hosting online Q and As, making sure that there was you know a constant connection uh, with leaders you know, in many ways to give them reassurance that, you know, we have a stable business, we're resilient, but, you know, here are the steps we are taking to make you, our people, and our customers safe, you know, whilst we continue to do business. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a very clear message. Um, Helping people understand that we were continuing to be by our customers' side Uh, was important. You know, we have many customers who relied on us in those early days of the pandemic, whether it was here in the UK, you know, helping the National Health Service store PPE equipment um, Mm. and create space at hospitals for for extra beds. Um, In the US, we have customers who needed to process uh, welfare and unemployment benefits much more quickly as as Mm -hmm. people were being furloughed in different states. Um, so so we really played a vital role in, in helping those businesses continue their own operations um, mm. and, and to do their bits, you know, to, to address and face the, the pandemic. And it was our frontline teams who were doing that. So, you know, we we really put focus on our frontline teams, um, you know, not only in, in making sure they understood, you know, what they needed to do, where they needed to be, how things maybe were being done differently, in that time where, where there was so much change, mm. but also recognising the, just the amazing effort, you know, that that took mm. um, and celebrating mm. that. And I think that was a real unifying experience for the company yeah. last year. It, it really brought people together, whether they work remotely, mm. Uh, whether they worked in an, an operational role and still seeing their colleagues every day, yeah. you know, it did create, I think, a, a much stronger bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, that's something we want to build on. Um, hopefully, as we as we move out of the pandemic, you know, that's something I, I'd really like to see is retain and make sure that you know yeah. we are still thinking of different ways we can communicate to um, you know frontline teams with with less easy access to technology. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know make sure they feel that they belong uh, as much as people who do you know have easy access to to technology to stay connected
0: okay yeah i'd, I'd like to come back to that in a minute because i think that's an area that i think a lot of um it's always interesting or interest me interest me anyway and i think it interests our listeners as well as is, is this is is that you know how do we communicate with with people who don't necessarily have access to technology which is becoming obviously any more increasingly uh, important way of communicating with people. Well, I'll come back to that, but I just, just I'm just interested. And in, I've been asking a lot of my guests recently. Obviously, this is quite contemporary, but but uh, in terms of. Um, you know how you see the future panning out for people who can work from home. You know where where it is it is complementary to the uh, to their, their their job role or, or the the way the way of working or, or even if it, where they where they'd prefer it themselves. So it, it, what do you, what and I know a lots of different organisations are looking at this in different ways. Uh, how, what are you, what is are the plans at the moment in your business? Is it is it going to be hybrid? Is it going to be getting as many people back into the office as you can? Um, what what what's the sort of current thinking there? From, from a Nine Mountain perspective?
1: Well, I think we're looking at it with two key principles in mind, which are flexibility and choice. And really again putting the employee at the heart of the decisions we make so as an right. organization we have said there is no expectation on any of our people that they need to return to the office if that's where they worked before uh before the end of this year before the end of 2021 um, right. you know if there are exceptions to that they'll they'll work with their manager to, to work that through um but that's going to give us some time to really you know step back and think about what we need the workplace of the future to be for our organization how how does that enable us to serve our customers better you know to put their needs first and then also to think about our own employees and and you know the experience that they have of working with us you know which if it's good should make a positive impact on you know the customer experience that we want to deliver so i think you know come early next year we'll have an idea of what that will look like um Already, you know, some of our senior leaders are talking about the workplace being where you connect, where you collaborate and where you learn. You know, it's less about going somewhere to do work. I think the last 18 months or so have shown that we can do work from anywhere. and maybe you know the office of the future is is where you come together really to make those connections to, to mm, learn mm. Uh, and and to collaborate, you know, and, and to be more productive when you need to get that that sort of thing done, rather than mm. spend an hour or two on a train or a, a bus each way to work, and you know only the, then sit at a desk mm. to do what you could have done at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good acid test of, 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 you know, do I need to be there? Is there a connective element? Is there a collaborative element to it or is it stuff I can do? I mean, I guess, I guess that's challenging in that, uh, the, the, I, I guess most of our working days, you know, it's not that you can dedicate a whole morning to usually anyway in the old way, world, you know, if you were in the office and you would pop into a meeting for an hour and then you would go back to your desk and do some solitary work perhaps. So I guess it just, it requires more of a, um, uh, maybe a different way of thinking about how we structure our working day, isn't it? If that's what we're going to do, if we're going to go into the office and do all our collaborative stuff that day or that morning, um, it, it's maybe just thinking a little bit more kind of thinking ahead and planning out our work rather than being maybe more fragmented, which I guess has been, a, you know, the way a lot of people work in the past when, you know, you've been in the office or and even, so I think even so with um during the pandemic, I, I, I think I've spoken to a lot of people who've t- said, my days seem to be just sort <laughs> of very more much more fragmented between you know kind of zoom calls and then doing a bit of kind of personal stuff and and then you know something that needs my kind of focus i think it, it is going to be an interesting to see how organizations adapt and what sort of capabilities that 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 raises within them
1: yeah um, it's that flexibility point isn't it and i, and mm. I think you know companies are going to have to think about the environment that they need to to foster that as well mm. um you know is mm. is the uh, Office actually set up in that way, whether it's technology layout to enable all of that. Mm. And if it isn't, what what needs to be done to to, to make those changes? Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I think that's going to be a big part of it too. Yeah. Uh, as well as you know the way individual working styles may have changed and may stay the way they are now. Mm. Uh, and that's something that, you know, we, I think all need to recognize in, in ourselves and each other and other people, the people mm. we work with, mm. um, you know, it's not going to be a return to how things were by any means. No. Um, and that's, that could, that could be progress um, that, mm. could, that could actually help a lot of people in, in the way they work
0: definitely so i just want to come back to the, the the thing we were talking about earlier which is which is uh, you, you, i think you i mean what what is the split of uh, if you have that in in, in your head uh, well, the split between what you would maybe call offline and online you know the kind of frontline people versus the um the kind of administrative people what what, what sort of percentage split do you have in iron mountain approximately would you say
1: I think our frontline teams account for about 70 percent of right. Our okay. people. Right. Okay. Okay. It's a really big proportion. Mm,
0: mm. And and so so uh, thanks. So so I mean, what 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 are some of the ways you? Because I've I've worked in and I guess your your guys. Uh, your people are you know again it's we're, we're categorizing them we're, we're sort of stereotyping them as being offline i mean i guess a lot of those people are working in places where they do have access to technology but you mentioned you've got drivers you've got you've got uh, you know other people who maybe it's just not typically part of their working day um so offline i'm talking about you know don't, don't necessarily use email that much don't use sort of some of the the technology that, that we've now become familiar with what are some of the ways that you found are the most effective in terms of keeping them engaged and keeping them informed and and really communicating with them effectively
1: yes well you're right um you know a lot of people have in theory access to um some of the know digital channels that you and i in in an office environment might might do but in practice you know their ability to access those regularly and to you know make them part of their their working day is 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 different so what we and i found to be you know the the more effective ways of of doing things i think there's a few ways that i I think are important Mm. i think first and foremost equipping the line manager is Mm. really key um That is the person that most of our frontline teams will look to for information. They'll ask questions. Um, That's where they go with concerns. So those people really need a good understanding of where where the business is heading and and how they and their teams fit in. Um, Because that I think is gonna be more often than not the the, the main source of information uh, for our frontline teams and get it right with the, the line manager and and you're onto a i think a, a winning formula we haven't you know got it right um you know by by any means yet there is still an awful lot we need to do but uh you know that that is certainly a focus for us yeah. you know how you not just um you know share information with the line managers but make sure that they feel confident to communicate and, and can do that effectively with their teams as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so developing managers in that way, you know, is, is certainly something we want to do more of um, and, you know, think about what we need to do in terms of the information they receive that, that mm-hmm. will benefit the teams that they talk to. So that's one area. I, I think, you know, digital channels is, is still something you can do, a lot with um, Mm. with with frontline teams particularly you know where most people you know now have a mobile device whether it's a company mobile or a personal Mm. mobile so I do think there are still ways that you can reach frontline teams directly through digital channels you have to just be choiceful about how you do that what you share and 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 how you use it and and don't Expect that to become the primary way of communicating with them. It's going to be again their choice, really, um, about you know how they use that. And I think our job as communicators is to make that experience and the content they receive through it as compelling and as relevant mm. as we can. Mm. Uh, and then you know they're more likely to to use it and to absorb it. So I think that's mm. something that's that remains important. Mm. And I also think you know you've got to make use of what's already there. Um, mm. So. In our business, um, you know, we have a lot of uh, scanners, handheld scanners that that our frontline teams use to scan a barcode on a box before they load it onto a truck um, and and deliver that box to a customer. That scanner has the capability to carry video and messages. Uh, Okay. Um, So, again, we, you know, can use that as a channel, uh, Mm. knowing that at some stage in the day, that scanner will be in the hands of a frontline employee. Um, So, again, it's being about, choiceful about what you use it for and how you use it, recognizing that they don't have much time in the day. Um, the prime focus on them is, is getting the job done in the time they need to. Um, yeah. but that's an avenue, as are you know, more traditional means of communicating like bulletin boards, yeah. digital signage screens where it's available. So again, thinking about what's already there and what you can make use of, I think, is really important. Yeah, um, and yeah. then across all of that, I, I've mentioned, I think, just how important, meaningful and relevant content is. Um, you know, this is about just making sure that the employee sees themselves in what you're saying to them um, mm. and sees where they fit in, how they contribute. And also, you know, back to that tone of voice, talking to them in a way that makes sense to them. That could be directly in their own language, but also, you know, in the style that they're used to hearing. And, and receiving information mm. as well. Mm. And so you've mm. really got to know your audience and understand their working day. How much time are they realistically going to have mm. to to take a look at what you'd like them to? Um, mm. And then develop your plan around that. And I think mm. that that combination, you know, will often give you a better outcome.
0: Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I and, and I think, oh, yeah, I, just, I, I really like the idea of using. You know, the technology that they're using to, to use as a communication device, the scanner idea, I think is really, really good. But I also, you know, going back to what you were saying right at the beginning, which is, um, I mean, recorded an episode about this a while ago um, in in the first series of the podcast with Chris Coburn. We were talking about, you know, the, that was all about the line manager, you know, the importance of the line manager. Because I think, as you said, I think it's often, often overlooked, particularly for frontline teams, is, is that critical role that then again it's not just about you know using them as a kind of a, a megaphone it's actually giving them the capability to really engage and understand all of these sort of subtle nuances and and making it you know a really a really core capability for for frontline managers particularly for those who are managing people who don't have access or necessarily have the access or exposure to some of the communication channels that um, other people may have so I totally agree with you on that I think so really it's really good to hear you say that um, um, and just just sort of just to sort of wrap things up in terms of you know again sort of putting it back into maybe a context of the pandemic but then looking forward into the next sort of two three years or so i mean what are some of the things that you see are going to be pivotal for uh, for, for internal communicators in terms of the types of skills and behaviors that they need to be Either looking to develop or reassessing or, or, or maybe reevaluating their own kind of competencies uh, going forward. Because I think we've, we've all agreed we've seen a fairly seismic shift in terms of how people are going to be working. We've talked a little bit about that, but also not even people who are <clears throat> not necessarily going to be kind of hybrid working or going to be working from home. I think there's still a, a shift in what we look at, you know, the way we perceive the world, perspectives have changed, all sorts of things. So what are some of the things that you, you see as being kind of relevant in terms of capabilities for, for, for internal communicators going forward?
1: Well, first and foremost, I, I think we've got to be closer than ever to the needs of the business um, and, and really get under the skin of what the business is all about, how it mm. operates, how it may need to change in terms of those operations in the future um and really understand what's on the minds of the leaders that we support um yeah. you know getting to sort of really understand what's keeping them awake at night what what their big challenges are um you know how they're seeing the future i think you know that is top of our list um mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the the other skills that that we have and that we need are, are essential um and potentially a bit more foundational. Mm -hmm. Um, But but really demonstrating our business acumen, I think, is going to continue Mm -hmm. to be really important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think connected to that, you know, if we are going to be working in a more virtual way in the future, um, we need to understand how to make connections and build relationships uh, in a more virtual environment. Um, You know, a lot of us have have sort of grown up by being able to just, you know, pop your head around somebody's door or (laughs) or grab a coffee with them. And that may not be as easy uh, Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, to just get those impromptu moments where, where you can just, you know, get to understand a person a bit more, what they're working on. Um, so I think we've got to find ways to do that, you know, virtually um, mm. and make the most of the times where we are together in person uh, to do that as well. Mm. Um, and then a couple of other areas. I think storytelling is, is something that, you know, we need to build on. I think it's mm. increasingly going to be important as, you know, an emotional way of connecting to, to our people. Um, mm. I think, you know, the, the way communications have evolved through this pandemic, there is more of a focus on, on, you know, emotion and, you know, it's not been a rational 18 months by any means. No. <laughs> and I think we, we've got to recognize that and, and you know, embrace how we communicate and, mm. you know, bring to life what it is we want our people to know or do uh, mm. in a different way that actually. Again, helps them connect, helps them feel like they belong. And I think you know storytelling is a very powerful way of doing that. So, so mm. that's a skill I think we need to continue to build on. Mm. And then mm. the last thing I'd say, I think it's actually about data. Um, mm. I think data is something um, you know is, is available to us all as communicators, but we probably don't make enough of to really understand either our business, our audiences, uh, how people are feeling, you know, that there are so many different ways I think we can make use of, of just the sheer amount of data that's out there now. Mm. So, again, tapping into the areas of the business that we may not have traditionally made connections with that, that own those data sources, I think is going to be really important. And, and then mm. how we use that and how we can demonstrate, you know, that we're making decisions and plans based on that, I think is going to be really important going into mm. the future as well.
0: Mm. No, I think that's that's a really good uh, a really good summary and, and a good a good a good set of principles to, to, to think about. You know, if anyone's listening to this I and mean, who is looking to their sort of skill set going forward, I think that's a really good uh, a good summary. Um, that's been really really interesting, Neil. And I, I love the story of, of Iron Mountain and how how the business started and the kind of journey that that the business has been on fantastically diverse organization i, I really interested in uh, you know love listening to this sort of what you were saying there around um how you've kind of made sense of 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 of, of the pandemic and you, you and also how you see the world the, the world panning out after the pandemic and also you know really interesting to sort of hear you talk about about how how um you've successfully engaged your your are successfully engaging your offline employees as well with some of the the, the kind of th- thinking around that just just finally just just in terms of you know kind of summing up and rap- wrapping up and any any kind of last sort of um, because you've got a, a fantastic career, you've had a fantastic career, you are still having a fantastic career. Any any kind of golden nuggets that you you want to kind of share with the audience before we kind of uh, conclude the, uh, the 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 conversation? And I've got the other question that I was going to ask you just to wrap up as well.
1: Well, for me, the, the reason I've stayed in internal communications as long as I have is mm-hmm. it's all about the people. I think yeah. um, you know the, the reason I enjoy what I do is helping people feel connected to the organisations they work for uh and work with and mm. you know the more we as as communicators can make that you know engaging enlightening interesting fun um you know we're doing our jobs and, and increasingly yeah. you know organizations are seeing the value of that and seeing the difference it makes to their in, in their own reputations and i think yeah. that's where you know building trust from the inside out really comes from for me if you get it right with your own workforce uh, you know, they are going to talk positively about your organisation and that's going to spread, um, you know, further and further than than you might be able to achieve otherwise. So that's yeah. why I do it. That's why I continue to do it. And, <laughs> and it's uh, it's keeping me busy and, and it's still a whole lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, thank you, Neil. Now, the final question, as I have warned you, and I pre-warned you before the interview, is that I always ask my interviewees this, is um, – uh, yeah, something that even people who work with you or know you quite well uh, maybe don't know about you. It's either something you've done in the past or something you do now. And I don't. I always know. I never know what these uh, these uh, the, these sort of surprises are. So I'm always equally sort of surprised by them. So uh, uh, over to you, Neil. What what is your uh, something we don't uh, we don't know or people generally don't know about Neil Jenkins? So
1: I am a big Liverpool fan, which isn't a surprise to a lot of people that don't know me. Um, <laughs> But I'll tell you a story about uh, a match I went to in 2005, probably the greatest match in Liverpool's history. I was lucky enough to be in Istanbul uh... to see them win the Champions League final against mm. AC Milan that year. Mm. An absolutely incredible match, a, a night I'll never forget. Um, but it started with a chance meeting with a true football legend. Um, and, and what happened was um, I was sort of walking around the corner of the outside of the stadium. i just arrived with my friend's and saw a bit of a commotion, uh, people crowded around a figure or, or sort of who was stood above them on a, on a walkway. So I looked over and I thought, I wonder what's going on there. So I so wandered over, um, and it was Diego Maradona. Oh, Diego wow. Maradona was was stood on this walkway, um, hmm. surrounded by sort of fans trying to either take a picture or or, or sort of, um, you know, say hello. So I kind of muscled my way in, and if people have sort of seen me in person, I'm, I'm pretty tall, I'm six foot three. So I managed to kind of get my hand sort of within range and ended up high fiving Diego Maradona before the game, um, and I think it was the hand of
0: God. It was the hand, was it? I was <laughs> it going to was ask that. Hand. Yeah, 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 um, yeah.
1: So, so that is something that um, you know started what was a, a very, very special uh, night for for me yeah. and, and you know for every Liverpool fan who was there. Um, but, um, yes, added a touch of surrealism to the the whole day.
0: Yeah, no, I can remember. I remember I was in, a, I, I, it's like, you know, where were you when sort of moment I can remember. I think was in a hotel in, in Richmond, in London, uh, on business. And I remember watching the game and it, it, it for your listeners who probably may not know of it, I think it What you were three nil down at half time, brought it back to three, three, was it? And, and then one. On penalties, was it? Is that how it, how the yeah, game? Transpired? That's right. And, yeah, and yeah.
1: Um, those three goals that Liverpool scored in the second half were within the space of six minutes. So yes,
0: that's right. Lin- yeah, Lincoln,
1: yeah. you would have missed it, but yes, yeah. it was an incredible game it, it against was. a fantastic AC Milan team. And yeah, uh, yeah. Luckily for Liverpool, we came out on top that
0: night. Yeah, oh, yeah I remember. It. I remember. I remember it. Uh, it was one of those uh, sort of fairy tale games, wasn't it? <laughs> excellent well look that's been absolutely fantastic neil thank you very much um as i said to you when i we had the pre-conversation i've been kind of following your stuff on linkedin for a while and i would kind of you know finally kind of got got around to saying you know hey neil i'd love to love to talk to you and and, and the podcast is a way i kind of like to sort of uh, you know kind of find out more about people so it's been really good speaking to you um i I'll, i normally in the show notes which uh, just for explanation for people who are listening the show notes are on our website so we if you if you listen to this on itunes you'll find it on our actual website we list the show notes which is just a kind of uh, a, a kind of a narrative of the a written narrative of the interview not just a transcript but actually a kind of more more kind of descriptive uh, uh, sort of article so you'll find them in there but i'll put a link to your linkedin profile Neil, if that's all right if anyone would like to um find you on linkedin and obviously if if they want to connect with you i'm mean, up to you whether you want to accept that or not but uh, if that's okay
1: yes please do more than welcome.
0: And you and you, I, you, I know you. I, I know you're on Twitter, but I know that's your sort of personal Twitter account. So um, I won't put that in the in the show notes unless you want us to. But uh, I think LinkedIn is usually the way that people prefer to uh, to stay in touch uh, professionally. So, um, but uh, if any other Liverpool supporters want to connect with you, I'm sure they'll be able to find you on Twitter anyway. So. Uh um but anyway well thank you very much neil um wish you all the best for the rest of the summer and obviously uh beyond that as we go into this uh this new brave new world that we're, we're all looking looking into and um yeah we'll stay safe and and uh and 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 as i said have a have a great rest of the, the year and uh look forward to catching you with you at some other point in the future
1: thanks a lot craig take care
0: take care thanks neil so thank you for listening to engaging internal comms hope you found this episode useful and we'd love to get your feedback and thoughts about the show so and and also any questions or ideas that you've got for things you'd like us to cover in future episodes so you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can get in touch with us via the contact form on our website, which is engagingic.com. Also, you'll be able to sign up for our mailing list there and we'll send you relevant news about the show, new episodes, and also anything that we think you might be interested in when it comes to internal communications or employee engagement. If you like the show and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to it via your podcast service. And also you can subscribe to it via the links on our podcast page, which again is engagingic.com. Um, if you know anyone else who might be interested in the show, please distribute it to them. Please let them know about it. We want to try and grow a community of people here who are contributing to the show, giving us new ideas for episodes and things that you'd like to cover in future. So thank you very much.